0: Hi, friends, and welcome to We're Already Here, a podcast about celebrating who we are through the highs and lows and understanding the story that we've created for ourselves. Today, I am joined by a new friend of mine, Olympia. Olympia is a Greek Cypriot based out of Atlanta, Georgia. By day, she is a doctoral student studying clinical psychology, but by night, she is recording artist, actively working to grow her career while sharing the knowledge she's learned along the way with her social media following. Olympia, thank you so, so much for joining the podcast.
1: How are you? (laughs) I am doing great. Thank you for asking me to be on. It's an honor. I'm really excited for this conversation.
0: Me too. So one thing that even when we first met off of Clubhouse, I thought that the dichotomy between you going and really pursuing this career as a recording artist, as a singer, while also pursuing a historically, quote, safe career, I thought that was so tremendously interesting. I think I haven't really interfaced with a lot of people who have done that to the extent that you have. The fact that you're like in school, pursuing your psych D and doing all of this, I was like, I, I have to talk to her.
1: Well, thank you. Um, yeah, it it definitely keeps me busy. <laughs> very yeah. very busy.
0: So first off, how, how do you find the time to do all of it?
1: To do both. Uh, great question. I cry a lot. No, I'm just kidding.
0: I <laughs> yeah, me too. I,
1: yeah, I right. I think most of us above the age of 25 cry most of the time. No, um, <laughs> I I really try to plan out my time. So I. I'm very old school. I have an agenda. And I think that that was just ingrained in when I was very young to have an agenda that I write everything in. So every single week I have an agenda that has all my school things that are due. And then on top of that, my calendar, you know, your online like Mac calendar or whatever. I type everything in there. Like if it's like, Hey, this is self-care time or something. I will type that into my schedule. Like it will be a hundred
0: percent. I relate to that so much. So <laughs> now I use my like outlook calendar because it's synced with work, but yes. I have always been like that through college. I use Google calendar, AKA G Cal for <laughs> any of my college roommates listening. And it became such a running <laughs> joke. Like I would have a date and put it in the G Cal. I would like schedule my gym sessions in the GCal. Like every single thing I did went into the G Cal. Yes. If anyone wants to know where I was at any time <laughs> of day, that's where it was. So I yes. relate to this so much.
1: Yeah. So I put I put everything in there. So when I commit my time to school, then the time is committed to school. When I commit my time to music, then it's dedicated to that. And then there are times when I tell my team like I need to take a step back. Or I get really overwhelmed and they know Mm. it and I'll be like, I'm not ready to release anything right now. So I guess finding time is really planning the time, is finding the time. It's me putting it in my calendar, making a conscious effort to be like, okay, I'm going to do this this day and this this day. Now there have been times too where like, you know, after I read five articles or something, I sneak into the basement for an hour and I sing. So, that I can, you know, if I get some inspiration for a song or like I'm writing or something, like I'll do that. So, that has been a recent thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, a couple things off of that. How do you stay so disciplined to your schedule? So, I used to be a personal trainer in college. And one way that I would encourage my clients to continue working out, even if they didn't have scheduled sessions with me, was put it in your calendar and treat it like a meeting, which in theory, great. In practice, People will skip the meat. Right. How do you keep yourself disciplined?
1: I think because I love both, mm. um, it comes naturally to me. the The dichotomy you're talking about of like quote unquote a safe career versus you know one that's really not. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because I've never thought about pursuing a doctorate as safe. But really. Yes. But definition wise, if you're looking at like stability or what to expect in the end of stability, then I guess, yeah, it would be yeah. defined as safe, but I've never looked at it as safe because it is um, such a difficult thing to pursue And it takes so much time Mm -hmm. and and there's risk involved, you know, with with uh, the loans that you end up pulling out and the the time that you commit to go pursue a doctor. So like, I've never thought of it as safe, which is so fascinating. When you said that, I was like, oh, my gosh, we have to unpack that because that's so interesting to say.
0: Oh, I am so happy that we're digging into this. Yes, because I think when we think of, quote, safe careers and not safe careers, like you look at something that's, quote, white collar as safe. So I'd say like lawyer, doctor. Mental health professional, yeah, uh, banker, yeah,
1: isn't that interesting? But you bring up such a good point. But just like a different perspective on it, yeah, like it doesn't feel safe when you're doing it, yeah. To be fair with what you're saying, it does feel more comforting to pursue something in the in the you know health field like that, right? The mental health field versus just singing because there is more stability, which would imply that it is safer. So it's just an interesting thing to think about.
0: Now, in my head, I'm dissecting the word safe. (laughs) And I think by safe, we mean predictable. I think when we say safe, we have expectations and we know if I execute on these tasks, my expectations will come to fruition. Exactly. I know I go to school. I paid this amount of debt. I put in this amount of hours of study. I'll pass a test, get the degree. And ultimately, I can reasonably expect that I will get a job after pursuing this degree. Yeah. So, safe doesn't necessarily mean safe. It means predictable, Predictable, really. It means
1: ah, stable. Like it, brings you stability.
0: Yes. A hundred percent. So how did you get into singing and then what made you want to make it a career?
1: So great question. Um, so I have been singing since I was a little baby. So I, um, have always enjoyed singing. I come from a very musical family. So My mom sings, plays the guitar. She chants like entire liturgies and services um, with my father. Let
0: me interrupt you real quick. The listeners might not know what your parents do for a living.
1: Yeah. Okay. Thank you for saying that. So my father is a Greek Orthodox priest and um, chanting is basically church singing would be like the very simplistic way to explain it. And there's a specific style to that type of singing in church. My mom is a stay-at-home mom and she takes care of us, especially growing up, obviously. And my father is a priest. So she would actually go to church with him and do entire services. And she still does that to this day. And my father obviously has to chant because he's the priest during the service. (laughs) They have always had music in that way. And then my grandfather on my mom's side had a beautiful, beautiful voice. One of her sisters, is a professional singer, my brother, he also uh, is able to sing and chant and plays the lira, which is the traditional Cretan instrument. He plays both the Pondian and the cream one. Anyway, so we're, we're just a very musical wow. family. Um, so growing up, I remember, my parents are always very supportive of that artistic side of me, I think, because they had it also. And so they're, you know, yeah. it's just like, oh, if you're interested in that, like, let's see where you can go with that. And so, awesome. yeah, I remember um, growing up and being in choir. And I mean, I've been going to a vocal coach for like, Twelve years now, so like I've always immersed myself in it. I was always into music, and they and they always supported that, and it has stuck with me. But choosing to make it a career, there was a time in my life where I was going to stop pursuing it. The first song I released on YouTube was "Fever" by Michael Bublé. It's like, it's an old cover that he did, and that's my favorite song. Wow. yeah So I I did a cover of that, and I was like, "Whoa, this is like really really fun." To record music yeah. and so i just got this you know um feel for it a little taste of it and i was like oh man awesome. <laughs> so I yeah, I yeah yeah you're like, like this. This is great so i tried to continue in that um path and at some point in college it kind of died off i lost the ability to record uh with the person that i was going to record with i kind of got fell it. through for whatever reason nothing crazy. It just kind of fell through you lose connection with people yeah, over time. Yeah. And so we, I stopped recording and I was like, like, I'll just sing it, you know, like the Greek school performance. Sure. I'm not going to do this anymore. Yeah. I'm like, it's okay. Like, I'm going to come from it. And then something did come from it. So th- we just opened that world again. So what was,
0: what was that switch? Like what made you get back into yeah,
1: it? Yeah. So we were in college and I was in the library and I was with my friends. One, they all knew I, I sang and they all knew I loved to sing. And this guy walks in, And they're like, "Hey, Olympia, like, let me introduce you to him." And I was like, "Okay, he owns an indie label, and he's looking for a singer. Are you interested?" Okay. And so I handed him my business card, and he was like, "You have a business card?" I was like, "Yeah." (laughs) I seriously was not expecting anything from this because I had had people pitch to me in the past, like, because Atlanta is like the music hub right now. And you
0: went to school in Atlanta. Yeah.
1: So I'm. I mean, I'm right here. Yeah. Um, I'm outside of the city. And where are you from originally? Well, originally being born in Cyprus. And then moving, we moved to Florida first. And then we moved here. I was like, whatever, nothing's going to come from this because a lot of singers get pitches throughout their life here in Atlanta and nothing happens. And um, I got a phone call a few months later that was like, I have this part and I'm wondering if you think you can sing it. And if you can come in three days to the studio. And I was like, uh oh, let, let me check let me check my calendar <laughs> like you're like good thing i have everything in this nice yeah, calendar <laughs> I everything down so so i practiced the part i sent it back to the guy and he was like oh yes i'd like to it that's perfect you know you should you should oh, come. i love that so i was like okay and ever since then um i never stopped working with that team and i was signed wow. a couple of years later i worked with them from 2017 and i was signed in 2019 I have stuck with it since, and uh, many of my dreams have come true just because of that little meeting. And um,
0: so, just by chance, he walked into the library, and your friend was like, Oh, that's my yeah. friend.
1: Literally, I was just sitting there doing work with my friends, and he was like, Oh my gosh, yeah, I know him. Like, <laughs> let me go talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So, it was just what a, a coincidence. Yeah. yeah. It was amazing.
0: I feel like when those things happen, like that was meant for you.
1: Yeah. I like to think that too. Yeah.
0: So when you say team, what does that constitute?
1: So I have um, a producer and I have a manager. I keep a very tight group. It's only three of us that are like exclusively working together. And I, I rather it that way. And of course, when we go to the studio, there's an engineer there, but he is separate from us. So He's someone we like love and trust, but he's not like signed to the label. Like he's a separate person, part of the studio that we go to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the more, the more characters that come in, the more you have to think about and, and, and maneuver through. So I, I, I keep it very limited to just us three.
0: Oh my gosh. So many questions. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) When you say when more people come into the mix, you have to maneuver through more. You have to Mm. think about more. What are those considerations? What's going on for you there?
1: I think the second you add in other people, you do run the risk of egos getting in the way or people getting into arguments. Not to say that I'm the one to argue with anyone. I try not to.
0: Yeah, you don't. You don't strike me as someone who likes arguing.
1: I try. Yeah, no, (laughs) I don't want to argue. I want everybody to have fun. I just want everyone to have a good time here. Okay, (laughs) have fun. There definitely have been moments I will put my foot down about things or whatever, because of course. I think mean, as a woman in the industry, we do get stepped on and taken advantage of a lot. Absolutely. I've gotten to a place where I just say no um, when it really upsets me. <laughs> so, um, and I was not yeah. always that way when I first started out. I was not that way. And through time, realizing that like you're smart, you know what I mean? You're smarter than you think you are. You yes. need to be kind to yourself. I started saying, like, stop not saying no because you're you're gonna do yeah. things in songs or say things that you may not be super comfortable with. Side note. You just learn that as you go, like. You, your taste in things yeah. and your preferences and your boundaries change as you age. And so I'm learning that as I as I grow up. And I pick my battles because you're yeah. working with different characters. You're working with people's minds and their egos and their personalities. And you want to make sure you don't hurt anybody in the process. So I right. try to be, I try to compromise and I try to understand things and people's perspectives and their opinions.
0: I really want to dig into this yeah. the balance between setting your boundaries, being able to say no, while not also offending yeah. people because i think this rings true for every woman in any industry. Mm-hmm. I've taken courses in second generation gender mm. bias. And essentially just to take a little yeah. like step back, what second generation gender bias is, it is exploring the gender biases that women face mm. in the workplace that reflect the modern age and how sexism in, in essence has evolved. Mm. So now women aren't being discriminated in the workplace just Mm. for being a woman. But there are these gender biases that exist that are more subliminal. So one of which is identified as the double edged Mm. sword, essentially what the double edged sword is, is the difficulty that women have in striking the balance Mm. between being seen as competent and being seen as likable. Men are able to subliminally very easily strike this balance. But when women display traits of leadership that are typically perceived as more masculine, so assertiveness, decisiveness, confidence, she is also seen as a... And I know, like, I feel like I'm definitely gonna have people listening to this, like, no, it's not true. (laughs) But, like, if you really think about the women in power around you, like, you'll see that they strike the balance very differently than the men in power around you. And, like, if you see... A, the way a man at your job conducts himself like very often if a woman conducted herself in the very same way mm. she would be perceived a little bit differently and also this is a conversation for a different podcast episode but looking back at this I'm kind of mad that women had to be the ones to take the class on like how to act more like a man but not too much like a man and we're not teaching men classes on how to evade their own second generation bias but again, for a different episode. So all that backstory to state women have a very difficult time striking the balance between competent and likable. And I think setting boundaries is something that women are socialized not Mm. to do very well. So I would love to hear from you how you have learned to strike that balance.
1: Wow. Okay. That was a lot of stuff you just taught me (laughs) (laughs) that you said it in such a concise way. I think I'm still learning how to strike the balance. I consider myself a baby in the industry. So I, I'm still learning. I try to treat everyone mm-hmm. the same and I try to be kind to everyone, but I don't want to degrade myself in the process. And I think the music industry and in the entertainment industry expects yeah. women in, in many ways to do it because it sells number one, it just does. And it works. And I, I try not to do that. I try to find uh, empowerment in my intelligence more than anything else, at least to the best of my ability. And. I think the way I strike the balance is I'm reasonable where I say, no, I try to be reasonable. Obviously, this is through the lens that I have of my world, right? So I try to be reasonable with my team or whoever is external from my team who has opinion. Right. So if someone was like, I don't know, it would sound great if you just if said this one phrase. I, there have been times in the studio where I'm like, I'm not I'm not really comfortable saying that phrase. Like, I'm not going to. And then and <laughs> a lot of the time they're like, mm-hmm. they don't push back too much because I usually don't say no to things. So I think because I try yeah. to be respectful and I try my best to be kind and I include, I try to include everyone and in everything that when I say no, they're like, there has to be a reason for her mm. to say that. You know, it'd be funny. I bet you if my team would be here, they'd be like, she says no all the time. <laughs> they'd be like, don't listen <laughs> to her. even kind I think like my no is reasonable, they might say, no, of course you can say this. Or of course you can do this in a picture. Or like, of course. And I'm like, no, like, so yeah. maybe their perception.
0: And reasonable has a different definition for everyone.
1: Yes, it's subjective. It's up to you as to, you know, what's reasonable or not. So again, everyone keep in mind, this is from my own lens as to what I think is reasonable. Boundaries,
0: boundaries, (laughs) boundaries.
1: I'm not going to please everyone. Mm -hmm. And I can't, this has been a hard realization, I think in the last few years, which I think it is for a lot of women. I had to learn, like, yeah. you're not, not everyone's going to like what you do. Um, Absolutely. not everyone's going to like your music and not everyone's going to like, and it's like, you always know that inside, mm-hmm. but when someone like literally says it to your face or, yeah. or posts about it on the internet, it hits you a little different in the beginning. Cause you're learning, like you are now vulnerable to the world in many ways yes. because you've put yourself out there. So at the same time, I, I tell myself, Regardless of if someone likes you or not, if you put your boundary down, mm-hmm. if you know that you can go to sleep at night because you put that boundary down, then that's really all that matters.
0: Yeah. And at the end of the day, the only person you have to deal with is you. Like is at you. the end of the yeah, day, this exactly. person on the internet who's mean, or even your friends, right. at the end of the day, they have to deal with themselves. <laughs> like you don't have to deal with them. Like yes. at the end of the day, you have to deal with the decisions you exactly. make and you have to yes. be comfortable with them.
1: Exactly. So it's like, that it's okay to say no to certain things 100%. that maybe somebody is pushing you to do. Yeah. And and like, because you know that you're going to have to deal with yourself at the end of the day. And like, you want to make sure that you love you and the decisions that you're making absolutely. and that and you feel safe in them. So, and that doesn't mean stay where you are in your life to stay because it feels safe, but it means to do things that you find are appropriate for you in your life. Oh, absolutely. And so that you don't resent yourself later. So Anyway,
0: yeah, that's my little spiel. Oh, 100%. (laughs) Please tell all the spiels you want. This podcast is exclusively spiels. Exclusively. I love it. I
1: love it. New name of the
0: podcast, exclusively spiels. Yes, exclusively spiels. (laughs) That's like, honestly, what made me even want to put out this podcast. I had been thinking about this and planning this for a year and was so stuck on this podcast needs to be successful. I need to monetize it. It needs to be a side hustle. Like it's got to be all these things. And then what made me actually do it is I made a decision with myself. I was like this podcast does not have to be successful. No one has to like this podcast. I'm going to really love doing it. And then that's what I put it out. And so yeah. for all for all five of you who are listening out there, thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but seriously, and it's true like even as a singer, you know, it's it's important to, to know and to realize for yourself that you need to be doing this stuff because you like doing it and you enjoy it. And it brings you some joy and happiness because the world is not always filled with those things. So no. it's even with salute, I was like, not everybody's going to love salute, but I like salute. Like, well, like I love it salud. It's nice. like one of my favorite oh. songs,
0: like point blank, not of yours, like point blank.
1: Thank you. That's so nice. <laughs> I really appreciate it means a lot. Like I'm always in shock when someone says anything like that, because <laughs> I think the expectation like, oh, I'm going to like this, (laughs) you know, like, like I always tell myself, I'm like, like if
0: someone liked it, that would be great. That's how I feel about this podcast. Like the first episode went out. It it was like really just my friends listening to it. Like it wasn't like strangers. My friends were like, I really like this. And my friends are not yes men. Let me put that (laughs) out right now. My friends are never the people who will tell you what you want to hear. In fact, like if anyone's interested in being my friend and telling me what I want to hear, like I'll take one.
1: Um Those are good friends though. They're honest with you. When you get compliments from people that you know are like straight up, like just so honest, like. It just means a lot. It's like I know for a fact you're not just saying that. (laughs) Yes, yeah, yeah. And if you are just saying it, just take it back. (laughs) Take (laughs) it back right now. (laughs) Take it back. It's okay if you don't like it. It's okay to be honest. Like. Yeah, so I just
0: don't expect anybody to like anything. That's so funny. I, and what's so funny is I think my friends know I don't need a compliment. Mm-hmm. I compliment myself and I'm like, there good you, you go. go. <laughs> I, whenever I get compliments, I'm like, careful. Like, my head is not going to fit through the door. Like, we got <laughs> to be honest with our compliments. Somebody
1: needs to insult me now. Like, so,
0: right. Somebody offend me. Guys, I'm feeling a little too good about myself lately. I'm going to need you guys to come bully me oh for a little God, bit. Oh, my
1: God,
0: that like... is so funny. <laughs> to wrap up this conversation on boundaries... What are things that you're sort of working on in that space, like working on in terms of being respectful mm-hmm. and easy to work with and all of those things that are also important while staying true to yourself and setting those boundaries?
1: I think moving forward, reading my team, understanding what they're saying between the lines without them having to explicitly say it um, and mm-hmm. then compromising and those things. I think I constantly am working on with them.
0: Well, that's really good to hear. I'm sure people are going to listen and just like really relate to this journey of like being able to strike that balance. It's never ending. It's very yeah. fluid. And and you bring up a great point. It changes with the individuals you work yeah. with. Yeah, And
1: you can't you can't predict your whole life and every argument or every uh, idea that's going to come up. You just can't torture yourself with that. Right. So I just take it day by yeah. day with them.
0: Also, what a great transferable skill to your own life. Everything you're explaining is entirely relational, like being able to like work through conflict like that in your own
1: life, I think is one of the best skills you can learn as a human being. you to do it literally in any relationship, romantic or just friendship with family. You have to learn how to do it. And I have I have learned a lot of that through having a team.
0: Yeah. One thing I think is so important about communication when you openly communicate, even if it's not the comfortable thing to say in the moment, you will never make the other person feel deceived. The other person will never feel like you in any essence played them, lied to them, underestimated them. And I think that's one of the kindest things you could do for someone. It's just like openly communicate how you feel, openly communicate obviously within the boundaries of like being respectful and being kind, I think you can never go wrong by keeping the lines of communication explicitly open and keeping your expectations explicitly open. Like we could all, as people get better at openly communicating.
1: Absolutely. That's a really good point. Yeah. As long as you're uh, honest and reasonably so, where you're not obviously hurting them. Like the person can't turn around and be like, Well, they never told me. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Because you did tell them. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a very good point.
0: As I became an adult, I think one of the first things I learned was only bring up things if they can help.
1: Oh my gosh. That's I always say that. Like I want things. people to be so, no, that's so valuable. <laughs> so open
0: with me. But if you're like, Rhoda, your nose is big, like that doesn't help. I can't do anything about it. But if you're like, Rhoda, like your outfit's not that great. Like, okay, I can go change, you know, (laughs) but if you're going to comment on something, I can't change, like save that for your own imagination.
1: Yes. No, that's a great, (laughs) that's a great point because, um, even like, even in romantic relationships or, you know, or yeah, your friendships if you had your friend every day or your, or your girlfriend or your boyfriend and you picked on every little thing they did all day, you would be tearing them down. You would not be mm-hmm. adding value to them. And I think it needs to at least be beneficial.
0: Absolutely. I think in friendships or relationships, like so much of it's like so similar and overlaps. I um, know.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. If it's something that's core to their personality and like would be inauthentic for them to change, I'm not going to bring it up. But if it's you are saying these things, you're doing these actions that are affecting Mm -hmm. me in some negative way that I think you can change and still be authentic to you, I'll bring that up. And if I bring it up and you're like, you know what, that's inauthentic to me, like uh, changing that would actually go against my boundaries and my comfort level, then we have a different problem. I think knowing where that border is with your people is important.
1: That's really important. I'm sure the decision
0: to go into and actively pursue the arts and entertainment field was initially met with some doubt internally, maybe externally from your loved ones, friends. How did you and are you dealing with this doubt and how do you manage it?
1: I think anybody who goes into entertainment deals with doubt, if not like imposter syndrome constantly. Yeah, Um, yeah, for sure. I think because I was always pursuing school and music at the same time that there wasn't any question of it, Are you going to be okay? Like from family, like there mm-hmm. wasn't any serious question of like, are you going to find oh, success good. or find stability in your life? Because I do enjoy both psychology and my music. So, and I pursued both like hardcore at the same time. So yeah. I've always put enough time in on the academic side to do relatively well yeah automatically implies that psychology is the more stable route to go right to go through so yeah um that yeah. is the expectation is to continue going down that route anyway so they've never had a serious pushback sure like my dad teases me all the time like okay so when is the number one he you know like he's always <laughs> like, for example when i told him about salud because salud has had a lot of success yeah. so when salud was picked up for in-store play it's played I think it's played in like over 20,000 locations around the country in like Amazing. different stores. Yeah, very big blessing. When I told him that, he at first he like wasn't sure what I was saying. <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, Baba, like, if, like, you know, you go to Subway sometimes. And he's like, Okay. And I was like, 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 it was really funny. I was like, Baba, like, you could go to Subway ordering a sandwich and Salud could be playing. And I remember the moment when I said that and he was like, Oh. And I was like, what would you do? Like, it's just like so cute. Yeah, I don't know what what question I was answering, but that's where I went. You know, I don't know either. But I love this.
0: I'm so happy remember. that you have such a beautiful relationship with your parents. It's oh. amazing.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm very very blessed. I'm very very blessed. So, I would love to
0: switch gears now and talk yeah. a little bit more about your psyche, your decision to go into the mental health field. So. Yeah. What made you decide to pursue that? Why clinical psychology, which may add perfect, perfect fit for we already here.
1: Um, (laughs) But tell me all about that. Yeah. So when I was little, I had a friend who um, her dad was physically abusive, I guess you could say um, to really go in the dramatic route of this conversation. That is where my interest in a person's mind came about. I think I was four. And I was like, what makes a parent upset with their child where they would hit them? That to me was very interesting because in my mind, it wasn't like just corporal punishment. It was like abuse. It sparked this interest in me where I was like, what? is that because I did not get that from my family. My parents did not do that to me. And, um, we would do the same things and she would get a reaction and I would not get a reaction. And a lot of the time it was nothing bad. So I couldn't figure that out. I could not figure that out. Yeah. And when I got into middle school and I realized like the word was a Greek word, you know, psychologia, And I was like, Oh, so that's what that is. Like when you want to find out why someone does something, yeah, you have to study psychology. Like, like, like that <laughs> makes sense. Like, so I think that yes, hit me around the age yes. of like eleven. So maybe that's what I need to do to figure out why someone would abuse someone or why someone would right. react in a certain way. Why do, Why do you behave that way? And so from then, I remember being eleven or twelve, and from yeah. that moment, I was like, I'm going to be a psychologist. Wow.
0: What's the career outcome? Your ideal career outcome? Everything works out perfectly. Separately from singing for a second. Okay. You continue on this route. What is the perfect outcome from you?
1: So ideally what I would like to do, um, I would like to provide for those who are searching an orthodox perspective to psychotherapy. Okay. Because sometimes it can be hard to go to a therapist if you have a very strong connection to your Orthodox church. And then they're very mm-hmm. secular and they obviously cannot express their opinions fully to you because they're your mm-hmm. therapist. So they're not supposed to be like, we don't like that. <laughs> like, right, like they're not supposed right. to do that, but to have a perspective from a therapist who maybe could do that, I think would be really valuable to, um, our community, you know, the Orthodox community, yeah. if, the, if a person is searching for that perspective, aside from their priest, if you go to an actual therapist who is trained in like CBT or something like that, mm-hmm if they're looking for that perspective, I just think it would be a nice thing to provide. So I would really like to like, get into private practice, ideally, and um, Mm -hmm. be um, a resource for those who are looking for an orthodox perspective on psychotherapy.
0: I I think spirituality and emotional health are so interconnected and cannot Mm -hmm. be separated. Very, very, often when all else fails logically in terms of stabilizing your emotional state or getting out of things or getting through things like mm. your people's fallback is spirituality and whatever that right. is so I think it's so interconnected with emotional yeah. health and can't mm-hmm. it can't be separated It like, can't be separated so right? if you are orthodox and like really really feel that belief like you cannot separate that from your mental health and I think that's right. so important
1: yeah so exactly like If I can connect the faith with psychotherapy and I would like to bring, um, more light to it, you know, to shine more light on it because I don't think our, even our own people know.
0: (laughs) And also we were talking earlier about bringing men to therapy. (laughs) If there's a man who's particularly religious, I feel like this is the foray. This is the gateway drug to therapy. Like I really feel like (laughs) this could be a good introduction. It's just like tying therapy to the things that really matter to you. Like for some people, that's logic. Like for me, I have like a very logic science based brain. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think CBT worked really well for me because I was like, Oh, okay. So you're giving me homework assignments. Right. And now I do these homework assignments and I'm learning. So great. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think if like that thing for someone is orthodoxy, you go, okay, Mm -hmm. I believe in these things so wholeheartedly. Like oh, I see the connection now. I, yeah, I, I am. So I'm so excited about this. And I'm so excited that you're
1: doing this. Like how cool. (laughs) I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, because this is the, the, the reason why I'm like stuttering because I don't actually know how much of it is there. And so I really need to do some more research through all of that studying. I hope to provide more of a, an orthodox implementation of like psychotherapy and like exactly what that means and how to do it. I think also just like the orthodox perspective on humanity and what does that mean? And, mm. you know, the fallen state of humanity and what does that mean? And is that related to the way that our psychology were all those things I think are so interesting because we actually do have a lens of that through our faith. So it's wow. just something I would like to provide, um, people if that's what they're looking for and at the same time it won't just be exclusively to orthodox christians it could be to anybody who's interested in just coming to therapy but like if i can give that person like if i can have that skill to provide then i I would really really love to do that i think
0: i will say one of the things so i grew up super super duper religious like church every sunday holy (laughs) week all the fasting like all the things and then as i got older i kind of strayed Mm -hmm. from the faith a little bit Yeah, because I felt like I had questions that weren't necessarily getting answered. I felt like I saw beliefs in the parish that I went to that I necessarily didn't subscribe to. Like Mm -hmm. I just saw a disconnect between the person I was becoming in the church. And I think if I had something like this in my life, I probably wouldn't have strayed so far from the church as I have.
1: And I think just to go off on a little thing there. First of all, Please thank do. you for sharing that because I think that's really common <laughs> amongst like young, like Greek Americans. I think it's super common. I mean, just Greeks in general um, to kind of not get answers to questions that you have. And I was very, very blessed to have a priest who lives in my house, who is <laughs> my boss. When I had a question uh, at like 2 a.m., I could be like, okay. You go into his what? room, you're like, bye. Oh, literally, I'm like, bye like I don't understand like why (laughs) why this and like why does the world say this and then we say this and like for why like for why is that happening and like and he will sit there with me for hours upon hours answering my questions oh how lovely and so yeah and so because of that I think that's why I'm still so into it because I got my answers that I needed Mm -hmm. and so just for for you to know and I You know, we'll always support anybody having questions about anything. Like keep asking, you know, Mm -hmm. those answers do exist.
0: Final specific question I have for you. Sure. What have been your biggest lessons through this whole journey in the music space, in the psych D space, doing it together? What really have been just like the biggest lessons for you?
1: I probably have multiple lessons and I've probably talked about several of them. That's okay. Um, Say it all again. Yeah. Yeah to summarize this whole conversation, um, in conclusion, in conclusion. yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think I learned a lot of boundaries. I learned a lot of communication and a lot of patience in the industry. And I also learned because there is a very gross side of the industry. I also learned to not believe or trust, um, everyone because Mm -hmm. especially as a woman, but they definitely take advantage of you in the industry. Um, and they,
0: yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. so hard. Like, just, I feel like so many of us want to live our lives with the belief that everyone is just trying their best. Everyone has good intentions. Like, and that's, that's like, at least how I try to live my life. I think like you can make yourself a lot happier if you just like go into the world, expecting that people have good intentions and they're Mm -hmm. all trying their best. So I'm sure that's really hard to deal with Yes, when people don't have good intentions and they're not, they're not doing their best. Like maybe they think they're doing their best for them. But if you're leaving other people in the dust, like mm, you're not doing your best.
1: Yeah. And I learned that um, just because I'm putting the effort into something doesn't mean that everybody else is going to genuinely put the effort into it as well. Yeah. Or Or even want to do it. Yeah. Or even want to support you. One of the biggest lessons I learned is, which we talked about before, is that not It's like, I knew I understood that not everyone was going to like what I did or understood that, but I, there was a point where I didn't realize that some people could take to the extreme, what they thought about me as a, as a person Mm -hmm. through the internet, like they've never met me. They don't know who I am and, and the things that they could do and, or say, um, I, it's mm. like you see it in celebrities all the time, and you're like, "Wow, that's really tough when when I was getting little like touches of that um from people who didn't know me, I was like, Whoa, like wow, they could really just say anything and 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 totally try to destroy oh, who you are, and like you have no control over their opinions and not even <laughs> yeah, know, they don't you. Even yeah. know me. and then and then be that's okay nuts. with going well, that's something is wrong with what's happening with them and you cannot take that personally. And that's oh, a, a huge lesson. And
0: <laughs> 10%. Oh my goodness. I always <laughs> say so much of the time, if someone is just thing it's just wilding out so often. It's just like, they're going through something that has nothing to do with you.
1: Yeah. And you just have to be like, well, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you're just like, okay. Like, exactly that me, reaction. Mow. But hurt people hurt people. And like, you need to understand mm-hmm. that it's not, it's not usually about you. A lot of the time the person is yeah. suffering. And so you just have to like, pray for them to find peace. And I, I prayed for myself for yeah. months and months and months to find peace, because that's really hard when, when, you know, it sounds pitiful, but like when, when your music is out there and and you kind of, you kind of yeah. expose yourself in certain ways with, with being vulnerable with your voice and, you know, People I mean, can say whatever they want to say about you.
0: It does not sound pitiful at all. I think that sounds so so relatable. Yeah. I mean, I I think you bring up such a good point. Is we know intuitively, not everyone's gonna like right. It. Like, we we know, know that intellectually, we know that. But then our reactions when someone doesn't shows us that mm, maybe we don't know that as deeply as we thought we did. <laughs>
1: maybe you didn't have the backbone you thought you had, and so through yes. that experience. Uh, You end up growing a little bit of tough skin because you, you learn that you have to protect your mind and your soul from the things that people say about you. And this happens in like people's everyday life. You don't have to be a singer to obviously have these experiences, but I did notice that
0: I think it's a lot more public and a lot more frequent. It is it definitely when is more you're public. A yeah. yeah. So
1: people, you know, anyway, people say things that are hurtful that just really cut you deep. And you're like, man, what am I doing?
0: You're like, uh, wait, why did that hurt? Yeah, I'm like, wow, you guys. You're like, okay, user seven six nine four two. Like <laughs> yeah.
1: shit. I'm like, ouch, all right. But anyway, but then but then I moved on and and I again I, I had to keep telling me, like, you're okay. You just need to yeah. find forgiveness for that person and pray for them that they will find peace because for them to want to right. hurt you so deeply and something's wrong and you just pray for them to be okay. So that was a big lesson. Right. Not everyone's going to love everything you do, but it's okay.
0: Well, two really poignant lessons, lessons that we can all be reminded of. Absolutely.
1: Aside from that, I learned a lot about imposter syndrome, which I think a lot of people experience in whatever field you work in, like you almost feel like you're undeserving of like, Mm. certain successes that come to you or you feel like um you know they're all lying like you just got lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm not actually that good. I mean, in psychology, there are students who are pursuing their doctorate who who experience imposter syndrome who are like, can I actually do this? Like can I actually help people? Right. Like am I actually doing the right yeah. thing? And I think that that is the doubt, right, that comes into your brain. The difference between you and someone else is your is your sense of fear and how much you're willing mm. to push. And everyone's afraid. But what makes the difference is oh, you yeah. taking that step. So I keep telling myself that even in performances or when I you know, do a podcast interview or like when I, well, anything, when I record a song, you know, I'm like, yes, you're afraid. And you feel like maybe you're not that great, but you're going to regret not doing this in 10 years. You're going to look back and go, 100%. why didn't you record that song? You know, why didn't you release that to Spotify? Why didn't you yeah. share that, that writing that you loved so much? And it's like, it's fear that keeps people back. I think imposter syndrome, a lot of the time is related to fear. So I think that's another lesson too. And in both realms in psychology and in music where it's like, I know you're afraid and you tell yourself this all the time where you're like, you just got to take that first step. Like you're doing okay. You know, you don't have to be the greatest at everything. Like exactly. Like
0: we don't have to go all in. We don't have to go exactly. from nothing to Spotify. Like maybe we take the baby step. Maybe, exactly. maybe we just like write the yeah, song. Let's just write the song. Exactly. That's so big. So I'm in finance and that's how I got the entire way from my freshman year undecided major to I've recently like started up a new function at my wow. company with my boss. She's so incredible. She's so smart. Ugh. A role model to me. I like love learning from her. But this isn't about her. It's about me. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go from like undecided mm-hmm. to starting up a department right. at my company. It went baby steps took the leadership position, I submitted the application. Actually, when I was applying for jobs, I applied at my company without knowing anyone. Hmm. And within the business world, it's actually really hard to get through the door without knowing someone at the company to kind of push you internally.
1: Interesting. Okay.
0: I applied to my company through the black hole. I literally submitted online. I didn't know anyone. And I got an email back that was like, submit this digital cover letter. And I got that. And I was like, well, I'm like not even going to get this job at this company. So like, I'm not going to even do it, which is like the craziest thing looking back. Like, why would I ever think that? And then literally the last day, the last day, I remember it so vividly. I was in my bedroom folding clothes and I was like, oh, like maybe I'll just like fill out that cover letter for this company. (laughs) And I go, I recorded it. And then five rounds of interviews later, I had an offer at this company. Wow, That's the thing, like, it was the one step. It was the get over your fear of rejection right. and just do the one cover letter. Like just, just do the just one. do the one thing.
1: Yeah, the baby step. Yeah. Otherwise, you're gonna regret it, or you're gonna be upset with yourself because you're the one who has to go to bed uh-huh. with you <laughs> at the end. Like you said before. Like, and that's the important part. Is we all experience imposter syndrome and fear and whatever. That's normal. And it's okay to sometimes feel those things, but what's the most important part is that you took the first step and you kept moving. It does not mean that I am Ariana Grande or that I ever will be, but it just means that I did that one release that I loved and I really- Knock on wood. (laughs) Imagine I did an interview with the next Ariana
0: Grande. You heard it here first that we're already here at we're already here pod on Instagram. twenty twenty (laughs) one. In 2021, 2021, what day is it? July 20th. J- July 20th, <laughs> when Olympia becomes the next Ariana Grande, I want everyone to know you heard it here first.
1: Right. <laughs> Great. What a crazy life that would be. Oh my gosh. But that's my point, you never that know. You never know. And as long as you enjoy the process and, and love the things that you do, including, you know, I enjoy psychology and I enjoy music, you just have to take the first step to keep going and just know that time is going to go anyway. So use it the way that you would like and use it wisely because those five years are going to disappear and you're going to look back and go, what the heck did I do those five years? And you can look back and be so proud of the accomplishments that you did fulfill because you took the first step.
0: So these last three questions I asked to everyone who comes onto the podcast. This podcast is all about celebrating the lows just as much as the highs in your life. Can you tell me about a struggle in your life that really sucked while you were going through it, Mm -hmm. but looking back now you celebrate it? What did that struggle give you that you cherish today? Huh.
1: Okay. Aside from weird comments from people who are not always nice, which you get over kind of quickly because you're like, "Okay, what?" (laughs) (laughs) You're like, "All right, okay, right, I'll pray for you later." (laughs) Yeah, yeah. When I have five seconds, I'll say a prayer. Um, Aside from that, one distinct moment I remember. Was Salute almost was not released. I was trying to release it in 2019. It did come out in 2019, finally whiz what happened. And I recorded the song, but it was in a different key, the original key. And at the time mm. I was like, hmm, this is a little low, but like, okay, I guess I can do it. Like I wasn't super confident in it and I kind of wanted to change the key, but I didn't know if I was able to. Mm. It was a time where I was like, am I able to do that? Like how much autonomy do I have with this? You know, like how much control do I have over this? Because that was the beat that was pitched to me. So I was like, okay, I guess I just have to sing it like this. And I remember when I sang it, Mm. I went home and I was like, wow, I really don't like that studio session I had. And I was very, very upset. I got the recording back and I cried because I was like, Mm. this is bad. You are not a good singer. You have no idea what the heck you're doing. Like, you couldn't even pull off that key. Like, you're obviously not good at this. Like, you're not made for that. Oh, man. Like, it was a... Oh, wow. The negative thought oh, spiral is yes. just. Yes. And oof. you just ruminate on them. Like you just sit in those feelings. And I'm like, yeah, I loved the song. And yet I couldn't produce it correctly. Like, I just wept. I remember like telling my team, like, is this like a sign? Like, should I stop doing this? Like, it oh, was horrible. No. It was so bad. And I remember we sat at this exact table. And so we, um, we tried to send it to different engineers to see if they could like, it was just not working. So I said, I have to, I have to do something about this. I have to find a solution. And I looked at them and I don't think they ever thought about changing the key actually. Cause we're still learning things like as we go. Right. It's like,
0: it's like, we're, we're out here having this like real dramatic yeah. moment. And like, all we had to do was shift. Yeah. The all we had steps. to do was change like... the key. So
1: I was like, I was like, <laughs> I'm like crying. They're trying to figure out what to do. I don't know what to do. So we're sitting at this table and finally I was like, let me just let me just see if I can change the key. Like, like, I was like, let me just go try it. I'm in the other room and they're in here. And this is the basement. So I'm in the other room. So I went into the closet, like change the key. And all of a sudden I was like, huh.
0: like I'm yeah. a good singer.
1: <laughs> wait, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, wait, that's way more comfortable. That doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt my voice. It doesn't hurt my throat. It doesn't like,
0: huh. That's a little... you walk out of the class like
1: <clears throat> everyone I'm a good singer again <laughs> yeah. um, I'm like just let you all know literally I come out when my eyes are puffy my cheeks are red and I'm like oh guys I think I fixed it and they were like what so excited and I sat in front of them I all of a sudden started singing it and my producer is the guy who's on that record he's the one featured so he was singing his part and I was doing my part and I was like that sounds way better. That makes more sense. It just needed to be in a higher wow. and so I had this huge moment and I was like, okay, let's go to the studio next week we're gonna record it. So we go to the studio and I record it. And I was so incredibly excited. I have so much footage from I was so excited because all of a sudden everything made sense and it sounded great. And this was this was like months of a struggle. Like months and months and months went by. It sounds like wow. it was just in one week, but like months and months and months went by of like, how do we fix the situation? That literally my yeah. career was over. Like it was this whole thing. It ended up being a big lesson of just because you think in those moments that everything falls apart, a lot of things will fall back into place. So you just got to keep going. And it was, it was just a huge lesson for me to like, just continue. Yeah. And that was, it was horrible while I was going through it. And I learned so much from it and it has turned out to be the biggest blessing of my career thus far is that song.
0: So, wow, I'm so happy to hear that. What a great story. And I am so happy.
1: Salute is out because that song is popping. Thank you. I'm very proud of that song. I'm Um, glad you like it. And yeah, that makes me great. Question number two
0: How have you worked to change how you perceive the world around you? How have you worked to change your thoughts and beliefs into ones that serve you and create a world that you want to live in?
1: That is a big question.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll break it yeah. down a little bit. A lot of what this podcast is about is it's really rooted in the lessons that I learned in CBT. Mm. One of which is that it's not the things that happen to us that create our emotions. Mm. It's our thoughts about those things. Mm. So a lot of what I sort of, I hate this word, but preach on this podcast is if you are able to change your thoughts about the things that mm. happen to you, then you are able to change how you feel about it and how you show up in the world because your, your feelings, your emotions dictate your actions a lot mm. of the time and like how you immediately show up for yourself and for others. One thing that I really wanted to promote through this medium is we create our own realities mm. through the thoughts that we choose to have about the things that happen to us. So that's kind of like where this question is. Yeah, okay. From. So
1: it's rooted in, in, that, in that perspective. Okay. And one way to think about that It's not just the things that happen to you, but how you react to them a lot of the time, right? Which, which totally makes sense. Our feelings and emotions around things is information Instead of rejecting those feelings and emotions about things, process them and understand where they're coming from. And to understand that it is information for you, Um, why you're reacting to something is information. So I think even through these like trials and tribulations through music or through my education, where I feel defeated or have imposter syndrome, or I'm scared, those are emotions, right? Okay. I'm scared. Why am I scared of this step? And then to think mm. about that. And, I, and then I know why. And then go, but then what happens if I don't pursue them? Does that fear still stand? Is it still legitimate? Is it irrational? Does it make sense to what I want in five to 10 years? I try to think that mm. way when I am pursuing goals. And why do you have those feelings? And then what do we do with that information? And then how can mm. we move past that? because is that going to paralyze you or are you going to keep moving? Because how are you going to feel in five years if you let the fear stay? So I think that's one way that I look yeah. at the world from the lens that I work from.
0: And I think your point on emotions or information are so great because through my meditation practice, one thing that I am really actively always trying to remind myself is like, all emotions are completely Mm. neutral. Like it's not negative and positive Mm. emotions, like all. And I think like the way you phrase it's like emotions are information, I think is like, at least for me, it personally really. Oh, good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think if you look at it, like it's not really everything that happens to you, but how you respond. So therefore responding Mm -hmm. provokes emotion. Right. And, and usually your emotions can then provoke an actual behavior, right? Like if you think of that mm-hmm. in that yeah, way, you yeah, yeah. well, this is information. So all of the emotions that you do experience, they are information to let you know what this means in the context of what it is, but not to reject them, but to process them. So final okay. question.
0: <laughs> Tell me the story that you've created for yourself.
1: That's a great question. To sum up the role that I play or like who I am is I cannot do these things that I do without the faith that I have and without the relationship that I have with God, I, I really mm-hmm. try my best to, to know that all the good things that happen and all the good things that I try to do and accomplish and the people that I try to help, those things are happening because God is helping me do those things. Mm-hmm. When I meet someone, I hope they never feel judged. And I hope that they leave better after they interacted with me than they were before. And I hope that I leave a positive impact, no matter if they're a competitor in the industry or or anything. You you just can't remove the relationship you have with God. And, and a lot of those things, I think that is the role I try to play is, you know, whether it's within psychology, whether it's a conversation you're having with me or it's a song you heard that you're like, wow, well, that was fun. I hope that you have a positive Interaction and that you feel better than you did before you mm. interacted with me. And that is so
0: beautiful. Like, what a great type of mark to try to leave on the world. Final, final thing is plug all of your things. Like, oh. where can we find you? What are you doing? Where can we search you? How can we support you? Let me and all three of my, <laughs> my listeners know.
1: You have more than three <laughs> listeners. You're so funny. But if they are I three, hi. Um, so, to plug all the things. If you look me up, with the name Olympia, so O L Y M P I A. And you just put like P-A-P-A-G. If you look me up Mm. on Google or YouTube or anything, I will come up as a little musical artist. I will uh Google has put me as one. So you'll see me as one. There you go. And yeah, you can find all my all my Instagram stuff, my Twitter, my TikTok, all those things um, with at Olympia Papa G. So you just put the P-A-P-A-G. Um and I all of my platforms have that name. So you'll find me everywhere with that. And also my website is the same way. It's olympiapapagiorgio.com. I talk about uh, school and I talk about the industry on my social media. So I talk about both things. And then I obviously mix in my faith and um, my heritage and where I come from with Cyprus and all those things. So my whole life is very much on the internet. <laughs> so you can find me anywhere there. And the same thing with Spotify and Apple Music. You can just type in Olympia Papa G or Olympia Papa Giorgio and I should come up.
0: And I will be linking all of her things in the description of this episode too. So you can <laughs> just click away and find her right there. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for joining me. I feel so honored that you would come on and talk to me. <laughs> I think I really got a lot out of our conversation. I know that the people who are listening to this will too. And really, thank you so uh, much.
1: Thank you for having me on. This was like definitely one of the best, one of the best interviews. So I really appreciate you asking me on. Like this was a uh, lot of fun. <laughs> I
0: I'm so glad.
1: Thank you. And that's it,
0: friends. We have concluded another episode of We're Already Here. Make sure you go right to the bio and check out all of Olympia's stuff. And check us out on We're Already Here pod on Instagram. That's We're Already Here pod on Instagram. Feel free to DM me with any questions, feedback, suggestions, or any of that. Thanks.